0: All right, everybody, we've got another episode of Lifestyle Medicine live today with the very funny Corey Polster. So, bro, thank you for being here.
1: Of course, man. (laughs) Of course.
0: Beautiful. So, uh, Corey recently moved back to Sacramento from... You had a full-time professional comedy gig Yeah. in L.A. for, what, like 15
1: years? Yeah, about 15. Well, he wasn't full-time for about 15 years because I was also... Doing some like bartending working in nightclubs and stuff like that.
0: Right, the day job for the artist or night job for the artist, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which takes a toll doing both. But yeah, um, I was basically in the scene. It's funny, I lived there, I consider it two stretches. I lived there from about twenty-one to about twenty seven, twenty-eight. Came home for a year so I could go to rehab, which is Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the artist's way, so. <laughs> right, right. And then, yeah, the artist struggle. <laughs> thought I was fixed, and then went back to L.A. Yeah. for another seven year stretch. Yeah, so it was about fourteen, fifteen years total. Um, but yeah, the second time, my second uh, uh, go around down there, I actually, um, I actually was was getting more gigs and stuff. It was it was just a different, um, it was just a different kind of feel than the first time. You know, I was more on my own the first time I was down yeah. there. I feel like I had a girlfriend that was like pushing me to do things. Right. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The only reason <clears throat> when I first moved to L.A., it was to do comedy, but I didn't do it for like a year, year and a half. Yeah. I didn't do it at all. So what'd you do? Well, I, I was just working and planning. I, mean, I was 21 years old right. in a new city. In and, Hollywood. Right. <laughs> but then I met this girl. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know. when I met her, I was like, oh, I'm a comedian she's like, oh, yeah, where do you perform? And I had nowhere to say at that point. (laughs) Nowhere yet. (laughs) And I didn't want her to think I was a shit butt. So I was like, all right. So then I went and started hanging out at the comedy store doing the potluck. And, um, yeah. And then from there, it's funny how those things work, you know. You just show up one day. You start meeting other people that are in the scene. Some of my best friends are people I've met through comedy down there.
0: I'll bet. When you ended up, I mean, over time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you put your... You had to pay, pay your dues, essentially, and you know, put your licks in. But you ended up opening up for some pretty big names, too. Yeah. yeah. What, oh, were, what, what were some of the big dogs that you opened well, up for? Well, one of my
1: favorites was uh, Nick Swartzen. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Swartzen, that's a funny story, because I was doing a show. It was at the Improv, which is on Melrose. And um, I'm, I'm opening up for Nick Swartzen, but he's not there. So this is January 3rd. So it's like you know, three days after New Year's Eve. Yeah, I get up to do my to do my uh, my coffee, <clears> and actually, can we do we have any? Uh, yes, addition. Yes, we can do. We get used to this. And by addition, you mean gin? <laughs> yes, <laughs> any kind of alcoholic beverage. Yes, yeah, here. Awesome.
0: Actually, and I, I should give a little uh, a little shout out to Cooper. Cooper, I have not met you. But this is a uh, Guardian Reserve gin. To Coop. Yeah, Cooper. So he's got a ranch in Montana. He is. That's good. Yeah, isn't that good? <laughs> yeah. Well, we should give a shout out actually to Pookie on this one.
1: Yeah, Pookie.
0: Yeah, so Paul Robison, aka Pookie. He's uh, Love He's Pookie. married to Deanna. Sorry Deanna's, about that, Deanna. <laughs> yeah, Deanna's, Deanna's sister is married to this guy, Cooper. And this is his gin. It's amazing. So really good. So anyway, side yeah. tangent. That wasn't paid. There's no paid advertising for this, but.
1: Yeah, but but it's authentic. It's very it's good. It's really yeah. good.
0: It's incredibly good.
1: And if you didn't know, gin was made from juniper berries. I knew that <laughs> from my time as a bartender. That you do. Um. So yeah, Nick. So yeah, so I was at the, uh, the Hollywood Improv, and they're basically like, uh, hey man, you're going to have to do like you're going to have to go until we light you and in comedy terms lighting is when somebody either gives you like a flashlight or a phone light and that lets you know like it's different oh. in different places you have 2 minutes you have 3 minutes but wrap it up
0: uh-huh get off the stage wrap up yeah. wrap up your bit and
1: move which was kind of scary for me because at the time I feel like when you're a younger comic <clears> like the way the way to do it is you get this is what I tell anybody that asks me who's thinking about doing comedy I say, look, get a tight five minutes. And this is what anyone will tell you. It's not like I came up with this. Get a tight five minutes. That crushes. So that whenever you're called to be, hey, we need you to go on stage. Know it forwards and backwards. Make sure every joke lands. You start with that. And then you add another minute. And then another minute. Whether it's a minute a week, two minutes a week, whatever it is. So that you start with a crushing five minutes, and then you know after maybe a month or two, you have ten minutes that crush. After yeah. a year, you'll have forty minutes. Yeah, you know, don't get lazy and keep things that don't work. Um, but w- yeah, we'll get into that later. So, <laughs> so I was, uh, so I was on the, stage. Tan- the tangent, right? Lines. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, and I do those all the time. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So basically um, the producers like hey man uh, you know Nick's not here so you're just going to have to go. <clears throat> it's really like scary for me because you know I only had like a certain amount of comedy time. You know I had things I was working on but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't foolproof yet. So um, I get up there mind you this whole crowd is there to see Nick Swartzen. you know. Sure. So they're they're there to see him. They don't they don't really care about me, but it, it is it's a really good feeling when you get a crowd like that because the thing is, people show up to comedy clubs, they're there to laugh. Nobody wants for sure. to see you fail. For sure. Right? They don't say, hey, let's go, let's pay like $30 for a comedy ticket so we can see a guy eat shit. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there are people out there yeah, like that, but most people aren't. So I get up there and like you can kind of see who comes in through the back yeah. and I'm doing it and I'm crushing and I feel so good. I mean, it's, it's a great yeah, feeling. It's going well. All of mm-hmm. a sudden... Uh, you know, Nick Swartzen walks in and he's with uh, one other guy. I forget his name, but anyways, he walks in and he is fucked up. Really? I mean like, yeah, he's, and he, and he, he. well, the funny thing is when I talked to him afterwards, he was like, oh, oh, no. dude, I have been rolling for three days straight. I mean, he was on, you know, Coke. Oh he was God. On, yeah. And he was fucked up. But here, the the funny part is so like, <laughs> so they give me the light and I'm like, all right, well, you know, it's, I think it's the time you've all been waiting for. You guys have been patient. You've been yeah. awesome. But I'm going to bring up Nick Swartzen. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Swartzen. I bring him up. He walks up to the stage. And I'm not even kidding. He just... He doesn't say anything for like a minute. He puts his drink down. And then he picks up the mic. And he's like, Alright, let me do some jokes for you fucking assholes. And then he... <laughs> uh, and then he, oh so pardon the French, but then he uh, he grabs the microphone and he just starts scratching it on his face like this. What? He just going like this. And the crowd is losing it. Really? They're losing. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like, you know, I worked really hard on <laughs> my comedy and it was like, wait, all I had to do was scratch my face with the God. mic. They lost it, but then you know he 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 then he pulls out of his pocket this wad of stuff and he puts it on the there was a piano on the stage at the time mm-hmm. he pulls it out and is like all right let's get to the jokes just very lazy but also very authentically yeah. Nick Swartzen yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean yeah 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 but yeah so that that was that time
0: yeah <laughs> so that so that <laughs> happened so let's see who else who else did you have you opened for you've opened for.
1: Nick. Oh yeah. Along, um, along
0: your way, right? I mean, over the years, like I know you'd mentioned, yeah. Like, over
1: some, there's some. So if com- if comedians are watching this, they're gonna count opening for people. It's like it's one of those tricks of the trade where, like, if you get on stage before somebody, um, even if you're like, like when I opened up for Dave Chappelle. Oh man, this was like two thousand four or five. I don't know. That's awesome, though. It was, it was, it was awesome. Because, That's like a comedian's dream. Oh, my God. Chateau. And And, oh and God. what he did that night, well, he did a Friday and a Saturday uh-huh. at Cobbs in uh, at San Francisco. And when I say that I open, I mean, I was doing jokes while people were still getting set. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Right. But still, I went on before him, and it, I was booked to be on his show. So yeah. I'm, I'm calling it what yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Take it.
1: But, um... No, he gets up there, and he does He does four hours on Friday. Four hours. He had a notebook out. He had a pack of uh, uh, menthol cigarettes, and he was just smoking. I guess it's legal Like if you want to smoke on stage. Oh, it's completely okay. legal if it's part of your app. <clears throat> wow. So he's up there. He's looking through his notebook, and he's smoking cigarettes, <clears throat> and then... But the crazy part is in Saturday night, he comes back. He does a completely different four hours. Doesn't tell one... Crushes both nights. And you want to talk about seeing somebody who's like a master at like oh, their dude. form. It's just like... It, it'll make anybody... Even if you're crushing crowds, it'll make you go like, fuck, I gotta go back to the drawing board, man. This, you know, he's just next level. Yeah, a true master, right? Right, now. yeah, exactly, so.
0: Oh, man. Well, so... When you started in comedy, right, you were like 21-ish?
1: No, I, I my first show was okay. when I was 17. 17, that's right. Yeah.
0: But Hollywood, 20? Hollywood,
1: yeah, yeah. And 20. I would say even 22 because I didn't do a show. I mean, if you want to count the year I was there not doing anything, right? you know, we could throw it in there. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, no, Hollywood, I'd say. I started going to yeah. the comedy store when I was about 22.
0: And what would you say was what was the biggest learning curve in terms of when you get there, right? There's, I'm assuming, you know, professional comedians and you're, you know, by standards and amateur. So what did you have to, what like, what was that process like going from amateur into a professional scene pretty quickly? And what did you have to learn? Like, what was the, what was the thing that got the wheel moving,
1: man? I don't think it's any one thing I think. First of all, when you first starting out, when you're first starting out, you're doing a lot of shows for people you know. Yeah. That's basically the only way to get any like, you know, momentum going where people are like, "Oh, this guy will bring people to the show," like especially to producers. This guy brings a bunch of people to shows, so let's put him on there. I don't know if he's funny or not. Right. The goal is to crush. So not only do you bring a bunch of people out, right. You crush while you do it. Um I think I think the hardest thing was moving to a city where I didn't know anybody. I mean, I was pretty popular. In it's like, this it's ci- like it's
0: like a, it's like a new network, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. More I or was less. pretty popular in this city, right. so when I did shows here, right. but it was really validating when you go up in front of like a hundred strangers.
0: Oh yeah, dude. I'm just making sure we're still recording. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are
1: good. That's that's when you know you know that you you have something there, and I think that was. For me it I don't know I guess Like if I If I tried to do it now I couldn't do it That's why I, I It's you, one of those You couldn't do what? You comedy could. Like I I don't oh, know like, I think I think when you're younger You just um, You're a little braver With this stuff You know what I mean? I started so young And I Have quit Numerous times Without actually quitting Yeah I've just stopped doing comedy Numerous yeah. times over the years Right For whatever reasons Because yeah. drugs Or whatever Yeah Um which, if you don't mind, at
0: some point I want to go into just to, oh, just, to, just to hear about your process because it's been a hell of a journey, and you oh, come, yeah. and you come out right, great, yeah, and you I'm know? yeah,
1: and I'm I'm still, you know, I'm still fighting it, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but they take their toll, like you, like you've heard me say, like I mean, I used to be like a pretty good looking guy, and <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's like now I'm aging like Haley Joel Osman, <laughs> you know, like just fatter and hairier, <laughs> Oh,
0: yeah. man. Well, I have to say, man, what I've loved about—I mean, our friendship. For you guys listening, I've known Corey since, god, fifth grade. Like a long Saint Roberts. You gotta tell some of those what? stories. Oh yeah, too. <laughs> Saint Roberts. Oh my god. But uh, you've stayed the course, man. Like I mean, that's the cool part. I think that at least where I've always resonated with you is that we both, we both—I would say—artists at our core. Like yeah. our, our fundamental archetype is artist. And you and I resonate. Like we, you get me in terms of my artistic pursuits and i definitely get you in terms of yours so it's been a it's been fun to watch you just just stay stay the course
1: how could yeah how could you ever like i know even with like like artistic stuff or drawing for you there's always like it's like it might not be your primary field but you're always gonna dabble in it oh yeah you know what i mean you're always gonna and and, yeah immerse yourself in it somehow and for me comedy has has Along the way, it's been very frustrating. There was a while where I was doing it just because of that reason, because I had told people yeah. that I was doing it, and I didn't want to seem like a guy that was, you know, right. uh, you know, he like, right, like half-assing it, yeah, right, and which I absolutely was, because I wasn't loving it. Mm-hmm. And today, I love it. It's yeah. my favorite thing tell. to yeah. do. Um, I love being up there, and when you're, you know. I don't want to sound cocky or anything, but when when you've put that much time in, you've learned things. It gets easier. It's, oh yeah, you know, there's like oh, yeah. muscle memory when it's like it comes anything. to... Yeah. So.
0: Well, when I when I visited you uh, in LA, you know, the few times when I would when I would come through, and I got to, you know I got to see some of your stuff. Right. I mean, yeah, you did incredibly well. I mean, going from like one one group or one comedian to another, I mean, yeah, you were doing kicking ass. Right. Which Thank was great you. in the LA scene, which was cool to see. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this a little bit, cause this is always a piece that I've always really liked discussing with you, which is, so we talk about the pursuit of the artistic craft, right? Right. And the relevance and, and what that brings. So, I mean, to date, when you write comedy, mm-hmm. when you're writing bits, you, whatever you want to call it, researching bits, you know, when you're, you're kind of living life and doing your thing as you're, as you're doing that and formulating it into a joke that you can present on stage, what do you get out of it? Like, what's, what's the, what's the like, the essence behind that? Because it's different for everybody, right? Some artists, yeah. like, when I draw something, I'll give you an example from myself. When I draw something, typically, like, I'm not particularly good at imagining something and drawing it. But okay. I'm very good at seeing something in my environment, drawing it, or seeing a picture of Superman and drawing it. You but, mean, like,
1: right in front of you as you draw it? Yeah. Like, m- f-
0: most things that I, I draw, I have to have either... Um, a photograph I've taken and I work from a photograph or I, I'm looking at a, a tree, yeah. a living tree, and I and I draw it. I can't just fabricate from my mind. But when I draw it, I mean what I get out of it typically is there's this there's this huge pivotal thing that happens where I draw something that I see and then as soon as I draw it I feel like I've made it my own. It's become this thing has yeah. now this thing has now become personal to me because it's gone through my lens. Absolutely, and it doesn't mean I have ownership over that thing. It just no. means that it's that it's that much more a part of me. If that makes sense? No, it so, makes perfect sense. Yeah, so for me in drawing, that's kind of what it's like. But I would love to hear because comedy is a different art form. Okay, so well, I'm curious, like, wh- like what is it? What do you get out of it? You know, like what's the meat?
1: Okay, well, I'm gonna. It's funny. I'll tell you this. I remember I we had to do book reports at uh, Christian Brothers School we both went to. We had to do book report and um, uh, autobiography. Mm-hmm. And I chose, this is when I wasn't sure yet, but I wanted to like, I loved making people laugh and I'd yeah. always loved making people laugh.
0: You've been doing it a long time. Yeah. Like in grade school up.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes uh, <laughs> not, yeah, not to my benefit, yeah. but,
0: but, but for ours, for but sure. whenever
1: <laughs> I, when I, when I read this, um, anecdote or antidote, <laughs> <that was lovely. laughs> when I read this antidote, um, it, it like really struck a chord with me. I was reading Richard Pryor's uh, autobiography. It's called Pryor Convictions. And there's this story in there. It's like, hey, when did you know that you wanted to be a comedian? And like, and like, why? And like, what is that feeling you get? And I forget if it was him or a third person re- retelling the story of like Richard was. He he grew up in a brothel, mm-hmm. right? He didn't know who, this, who his father was, so right. he was raised by all right, these right. random people. But he was getting up and he was running across like the ranch yard and he slipped in a piece of shit, <laughs> right? <laughs> he slipped in a piece of shit and everybody on the porch oh my just God. started dying laughing. So he stood up, ran back and did it again because he loved that feeling so much. No way. Whether that story is true or not, it's always stuck with me. And this totally. is something I read when I was like a junior in high school yeah. because I knew exactly what he was talking about. There's a feeling you get. When you're in front of just a large group of people or even a small group of people, but they're genuinely tuned in. They really are listening and yeah. and they like you, you know, they want to see you do well. And so it's yeah. the best therapy I've ever had is walking up on stage and just talking about, you know whatever's going on in my crazy mind and a lot of time you know there's a lot of hyperbole you're going to exaggerate everything that happens as any
0: good storyteller should
1: right but on the other hand it's also write what you know right yeah like you like i have a bit where i talk about living in the hood because i lived in the hood in la i lived in inglewood yeah i remember (laughs) yeah so that but but i didn't grow up in the hood, I didn't like have it rough at all growing up. I actually South grew up pretty, yeah, pretty <laughs> affluent. I went to Catholic school, yeah. like, but um, but it was important for me to do that because when when I got on stage and I started talking about that stuff, so people that did grow up in that environment, it was cool for them to hear what it's like for like this white boy from an affluent neighborhood to be in in that situation for even you know oh, yeah. a year or two. Oh yeah, and then and then tell you what he got out of it. But then they can also be like, oh yeah, that happens every day. Right, or, you know what I mean. Right, they could, right, right, And and that and that <clears throat> is uh, that's really cool. But like, yeah, my, I think my point is like, you gotta write what you know. Even though there's a lot of hyperbolic situations, and then, uh, you know, a, you're gonna take liberty with a lot of things that happen. I feel like the most important advice I give to anybody in comedy too is to just be authentic. Yeah, be authentic. Don't try like if I tried to do Richard Pryor's jokes or. Dave Chappelle's jokes, it wouldn't work because I didn't grow up yeah. as a black man in America. So I can't, yeah, you know, I enough. can't bridge that gap. So,
0: well, that's, yeah. And it's, um, I don't know if I answered your question. You did. But, yeah, you know, you did because I mean, that's, it's the same thing, right? The artist uh, is artist, right? It's just an archetypal title. But I mean, it's, you're tracking, um, you're tracking a feeling for the most part. It's a, yeah. it's a sensation it's a, it's a sensation that comes over you you know as a result of completing the craft, honing it, shaping it. Um, I, I think I've told you this before when I would do paintings or drawings when, especially in college when I was like in my major and doing all that, I would make something and then when I would finish it, usually for like I don't know, days after I would spend a lot of time staring at it almost like watching a movie. It's stationary yeah. it's still it's quiet it's not moving but I would look at it and invariably it would talk to me. Like it would make me feel things. I was like, wow, that's, yeah. it would give me, um, I guess, insight, you know, yeah. into like my process of like what I was going through. So I always thought that was cool as shit to have that happen and look at my own artwork and have it dialogue with me. And I thought, that's. I guess that's what happens with other people when they look at art too. They're, they're It's dialoguing with them, but it's unique, right? Right. Well, to the, person. The,
1: cool, the cool thing about comedy, and I always love this. There are there are good things to almost any art, right? Like music, like oh, yeah. you could, you could go Absolutely. on and on about all the great things music does, and I listen to music before I get on stage. Yeah, all the time. What do you listen but, to? Just curious. Well, it just dep- It always depends. Like I've been listening to the Black Keys recently. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I used to listen to a lot of Eminem because he would get me kind of hyped up. Um, lyrically but he's just a lot amazing. of A C D C too. It just yeah, depends on the yeah, yeah. vibe of the room yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. You know, sometimes there is that like Blackie's is kinda like piano funky, like right. and that's how you you know, I kind of right. visualize how right. I want to be on stage, like cool as a cucumber, making yeah. everybody laugh. Like, hey, I do this all the time. Right, right, right. Um <clears throat> But uh what were we talking about before? I wanted to
0: so we were talking about um I was saying, you know, what the artist. Oh, looking
1: at your work. Looking at your work. Looking at your work afterwards. Correct. For the one thing I love about comedy is you get your answer, man. You write a funny (sighs) bit, you go on on stage. On the
0: spot. Boom.
1: If they laugh, instant feedback. It's great. You know, you can't, you're not going to crush it. If you make 300 people laugh and get off stage, if somebody comes up to you and is like, hey, man, that joke wasn't funny, you could be like, what are you, crazy? Did you hear them? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, the only thing. The only like kind of uh, uh, I I feel like bad feedback you could get is if that personally you know comedy is very objective subjective mm-hmm. you know what I mean and you know you're not always gonna please people all of the time Man, just like art just like music yeah you know but uh, yeah it's it can be brutal too you know it can be very brutal you're dude
0: no I've I've had this conversation with you and other friends of mine who are close and you know I've said like. I'm like Corey going up on st- or any comedian, right? But going up there and just putting your balls on the line to fully be vulnerable and and with with the very real possibility that you could just crash and burn and just eat shit. Up well, there what too. what
1: other what other art do you take your rough drafts and then air it out before? Like nobody, not in no, front of a crowd, right? No, nobody takes yeah. like when they're writing a song. They're like, hey, I haven't finished the song yet. Um, you know <laughs> what I mean? And and then like just like play it for like a bunch of people. Well, comedy, that's the only way to do it. You can't write right. an hour bit in your basement. I mean, you could potentially, but you just will never really know how it works. You got? Yeah. It's one of the only art forms where you depend on the crowd.
0: 100%.
1: You know what I mean? You can't do comedy by yourself. And no. you know, you could write music by yourself and and there are there are pluses and minuses to that, but I think it's a really cool, um, a really cool thing that like that you have that um, that connection with the audience in order yeah to do it.
0: Well, one of the things that you said to me in the past, and this is you're not the first person to say this, I've heard this from other people, but what was always kind of encouraging and cool was you said a lot of your not your inspiration, but when you hang out with your friends and you're laughing with your friends and oh that, yeah, there's that like. That rhythm that you get with them, where that's almost that's that is a, that's a small mock test test ground for stuff. It's oh, like for sure. You're testing stuff with your friends who for are also sure. witty, and you're kind of seeing what makes your closest friends laugh, and then that formulates your ideas and kind of gets them rolling a little well, bit.
1: Well, I it's it's funny. It's like one of those things that I will tell you right now, and and even our even like with you and I, and uh, like any of my group of friends, I am not the funniest one. Uh, what I can do is get on stage and yeah. translate certain things, but there are times where I will lose it laughing because of a story you told me. I'm thinking like three in particular. Right yeah. Or uh, my friend Adrian or, or Danny, any of these guys that I hang out with. like, yeah. And none of them are comedians. Mind you. I do have friends that are comedians. Right. It's a little bit different with them because sometimes you'll be like, wait, is that your joke or is that my joke? Right. You know what I mean? Where is this coming from? Right. Sourcing, right. But um, uh, I feel like, Unless that's my train of thought there. <laughs>
0: and it's gone. <laughs> and
1: it's bye-bye. This gin is good. <laughs> too mm. much gin. Mm. Um,
0: no, we were just saying, um, I was saying you use your friends for inspiration, right? Yeah. Like the dialogue, the stories. That's, your te- that's what you're talking your about. testing ground, kind of, because, yeah. and other people have said this too, like Joe Rogan said that he's st- when he started doing comedy, a lot of it was just, he would make guys laugh in the locker room. Yeah. And he would see what of his things were funny, and then he would use that joke with other friends. Yep. And then that kind of got the ball rolling where he was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, maybe check this out and use that. Right. But I mean, some of the funniest, I mean, some of the hardest times I've laughed have been with you. Same we, here. Yeah. And we've just lost our shit, you know, losing it like uncontrollable laughter. <laughs> and yeah. It's amazing. No. It's no, phenomenal. It's, it hurts. <laughs> to, sometimes. <laughs> it yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. And you laugh
1: that hard where you're like, please, please make it stop. Please make it stop. <laughs>
0: yeah. Totally. <laughs> mm. So, um, Okay, so let's talk about this, because this is, you know, this, this is a good segue. Talked a little bit about the process, right? How you're, like, formulating jokes, how you're getting your stuff in. But then, you're very, you also fit the profile, pretty much, of, like, the traditional comedian, right? The archetypal, Tortured is, soul. <laughs> tortured soul fully. So, yeah. we look at these guys, sadly, right? Farley, Belushi, these guys that is very common, right? There's an yeah. edge with comedy. And I'm
1: bipolar, like, right. diagnosed bipolar. Right, right. Yeah.
0: So you have that edge of of the of the swings, right? Emotionally, and with that comes usually substance abuse. And yeah. so walk me through a little bit. I mean, obviously I know, but just to kind of give people oh, a, yeah. a rundown of like what you kind of went through, how it affected your art, one, how it affected your comedy, and then how you sort of how you've navigated it since then.
1: Well, to answer the first question, it affected my comedy. Now it it's like it's like a, if you were a painter, it's like more paints in my palette now. Because yeah. I've lived so much life and, and done so many fucked up things that I regret. And, you know, like that just makes for better comedy. You yeah. know what I mean? It really does. It, it just does. makes... If you kind of have this it's perfect irony, right? life going... It's the irony, yeah. You know, it's like people... I feel like people do watch stand-up to escape to, uh, and also to feel to feel better about situations they're in, you know, like, yeah, man. and it's like, oh wow, I'm not the only one going through this right now, right? Um. So yeah, I don't know. I I feel like, what was the second part of the question? So it was yeah, it was
0: you know what <clears throat> I guess what I probably gave you too much, but it was probably like the question I was kind of going for was, you know, you you battled substances, right? Right. What did, did How you, did it help? Yeah, and what did report. what did it, what did it do to your comedy? Like in the long run, did you notice? Because you had said in the past when we've talked that there were times where you would notice that you know if you were on stage and there might be a different rhythm that you were in as a oh, result. If of... If I was on drugs, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. And there's yeah. our <laughs> yeah. The, okay, well, it also depends on the drug. That's the crazy part. If I I know it sounds funny, <laughs> but if I was on an opiate, right. I was much more like relaxed and had like a like raspy. Like I was gonna take things yeah, slowly, lethargic and slow. Right, yeah. but I had this warm blanket over me. For anybody who doesn't know what it's like to be addicted to like opiates, it's amazing. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'm not the I, worst dad. No, <laughs> oh, right, it's it's awful. Ooh. It will ruin your life. It yeah, almost did a few times for me. But yeah. No but there's a reason why it's an epidemic. I mean, it feels really good. It's like you know, it's like most
0: a lot of drugs do, man. It's right? Why people get hooked, right?
1: But I'm, you know, it's it doesn't feel half as good as like earning that pleasure in your yeah. brain. You know, yeah. this is like Working you didn't it. do anything here. I'm gonna take some pills. It's like the reward system in your brain goes off, where it's so much more fulfilling if you get up and you work out and then you go do a show and and you work out this material you worked really hard on. And it, and it works. And the payoff is great. You know, um, but for me, I feel like, yeah, opiates and then uh, Xanax. Xanax is an awful drug because it just makes you forget everything. I mean, I, there's still times where I'll talk to people who yeah. are great friends of mine. Yeah. And they'll be sitting around and they'll be talking about some story I'm even like the main character of.
0: Right, right.
1: And I'll be like idea what you're talking about but core you don't remember when you showed up to work with no shoes an hour late and went to sleep on the back of the bar Oh and i'm God. like no i don't actually no i don't no, no I and don't. it's 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 embarrassing like i i get why people tell those stories and especially with me being a comedian they're like oh he can take it but it's really it's like sometimes i'm like i do this weird thing too where if have you ever like done or said something really embarrassing and you're in the shower the next day and you're like and you try to wash it off your head no but, okay. I, but, uh, I, but
0: I but I mean I, I have a process where I'm, I'm just beating myself up inside where I'm like right who, who well does, I do think
1: it? like I'll, I'll sometimes go like this and but, shoot the bad thought out of my head I'm not kidding like wow. I do weird stuff like that but the shower like washing the bad thought out of my head like I don't know if that's some sort of autism or something but yeah it happens and I do it but oh, uh, god. Yeah, um, I feel like that that's, you know, Xanax is one of those things that it, it did a lot of that, and it was awful, and it made it so I didn't have my natural cadence, I didn't have my natural wit. My my close friends used to call me zombie CO, that's what they would call me, because I would just turn into a it's zombie. pretty fitting. Right. It it was, yeah, it, it was, was a just di- like, It was a
0: different... Well, it was a di- you were a different cat, I mean, right. across the board. So, I mean, I saw you go through the gamut over the years, you know, <clears throat> and the, the Xanax... In some way, was the like the anti-anxiety drugs were I would say almost the worst of the lot. Yeah. Because you were, you were sl- You were like a zombie. You were slow and
1: you could. Especially work. a guy that's normally pretty quick. You're super quick. Right.
0: You're very fast. It was and it was depressing for me. I'm like, oh man, you yeah. don't need this. I mean, anxiety is one thing, but you just weren't able to formulate as quickly as you would, and you'd
1: forget a lot. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. It was so different. I still have. These patches, or, like I said, where people will tell stories or whatever. And I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. And it sucks. They're, the worst was either with social media or text messages. I would look back. Somebody would text me. And you know how like when someone texts you, you could see your whole history? Yeah. Where I would go back and I'd be like, what? I like wrote like a, an essay of just rambling the nonsense. nonsense. Yeah. And I'm like, Bullshit. what? The fuck am I doing? Like, and it's, it, yeah, it. I'm glad those things happened because it got me to a point where I was like, all right, yeah, I can't sustain this man. It's not who I am. Anyone who actually genuinely knows me and loves me cannot stand me like this, yeah. And I don't want to be that guy. I yeah. don't want to be that guy. It, and mind you it'll make for some great stand up it makes for a lot of suffering which can turn into a lot of funny stuff
0: for sure and people need to hear it cuz we all suffer
1: for sure yeah. i and and i and i get that but you know it's still it's still t- you know is a shock to the ego sometimes it's like you know not even the ego but more of just it's like it's humbling yeah yeah it's very humbling. it is and it's i feel bad and and it's funny every time i tell people like when they tell me a story and then i apologize like dude don't worry about it like it, yeah. and that's why I feel so lucky to be surrounded by such amazing people all the time. Yeah. Because uh, I I do have some amazing friends in my life that you are one of the main ones that have helped me kind of steer this course of like going straight for the, uh, what do you call it? The thing that sticks out of the ice? (laughs) (laughs) A glacier? Oh, right.
0: Yeah, so what would you say, I mean that you touched on it a little bit, right? So the, the amazing uh friends piece, right? The the close kinship in terms of friendship. But mm-hmm. uh what was the turning point? When did when did you start to I mean, I know you identified the problem in your, you know, your 20s and then you navigated a lot of bumps up and down, but what was the turning point? What do you feel like got you <clears throat> to a place where you know the the substances were left behind?
1: Age, I think, man. Yeah. Just time. I think I think Good people, mm-hmm. you, uh, two other guys who are like, have always been there for me my family. Mm-hmm. Those things always help because they, those are the people that hold you accountable. Yeah. And when you have the people out there that aren't held accountable are the people that they keep fucking up because nobody's going to question them. Nobody's going to be like, yo man, like if you want to stay my friend, you got to knock this shit off. Yeah. Like those are some, uh, some very, um, profound, like, uh, like game changers for me, just having those people in my life that will be like, dude, you got to knock the shit off. And I, me yeah. loving them and appreciating them so much that I'm like, man, I, I'm having a hard time getting through life now so much so that I'm going to pop these things. But at least I have my friends. If I lose yeah. them, <clears throat> I'm for stuck, sure, man. And yeah. I, that's, that makes me very sympathetic to people out there with mental health issues and stuff, yeah. which, um, You know, I think there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more in the news and social media today about these things and better ways to handle them. But as somebody that that suffers from and you know even benefits from sometimes, because I really do believe that you know having some of these problems has helped me kind of see things from such a different angle that it, it makes my comedy funnier.
0: I agree. Well, and I would say what's kind of an interesting point, though, about that you're saying people that are willing to hold you accountable, you know, I know I was one, Uh, there were other people in your life as well, some of your really close buddies that were saying, this isn't, this can't stand, this isn't sustainable. No, but they never
1: gave up on me. Correct. Correct.
0: But what's interesting about that is, is that there are, you know, there's a certain amount of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a certain amount of. Fortitude that you naturally have to withstand that confrontation, because a lot of people, man, there's, you know, there are other people in my life that I could approach with that same ultimatum, and they would tell me to fuck off. Like there would be people that could not handle that confrontation because of for whatever reason, right? They, they couldn't handle. And it happens. You mean the
1: ultimatum of like stop doing drugs or say, I can't be right. Or,
0: or, yeah, or just bluntly saying you're fucking up. Right. You're fucking up bad, and this is gonna end. I think
1: they this, all would know. that I knew.
0: I think people do know, but I'm saying I think it's it's good on you that you were able to to hear that constructively and actually make the decision, man. Because there's a lot of people who, man, and I feel like it's a it's a the chicken or the egg, right? It's like what allows for that um, that level of accountability to show up? Because like right. for you, I felt like we are friendship was uh deep enough we had been friends long enough and i loved you enough and vice versa that i was safe to make that move i feel like if that foundation isn't there too if it's not solidified you know you're not genuinely really close with the person or not fully i feel like it can't so there's this strength and vulnerability right we we have allowed ourselves to get very close over the years and with that yeah that brings a certain amount of weight Yeah. It like helps in those kind of situations. It's like, look, man, we have all this invested, right? Right. All this shit that's amazing, and you're ruining it. Right. So, exactly.
1: That's that's perfect. Point. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like. That I would feel uh-huh. awful anytime. I would feel like <clears> the <throat> feeling of letting someone down or disappointing them yeah. is a very strong corrector in like bad behavior. Yep. It's a very bad. It's like, you know, the, there's an old, I don't know if it's an adage or just things parents say like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just, just disappointed. disappointed. And oh, that's, that's always worst. way worse. And it's especially if it's the family you choose, like friends that have been patient and like, all right, all right, I'll let this go. All right, I'll let this go. I'll let this go. All right, yeah. man. You know, um, and I have so many stories of those. That's why I hold the friends that I have in my life so dear. Yeah. And that's why they're they're so important to me because none of them have given up on me. Sure, along the way, they're like, look, dude, if you're going to do this, I don't want to be at your funeral, you know, and giving me those old yeah. But f- for sure, they were, uh, they were definitely catalysts to get me to kind of straighten my shit out. But I think to go back to the main yeah. question you asked, I think the... The final straw that kind of straightened me out was age, man. I was tired of doing it. I was right. tired of waiting outside Russian complexes to get like two Oxycontin pills. And then I was tired of, right. you know, like going to the, the pharmacy, popping a couple Xanax, and then waking up the next day, like, what did I do? Like, who did I text? And it's just, just like, there's like, you can only sustain. And I know some people it takes a little longer. Um, The cool thing for me is there was... uh, We've talked about this. There was like an arrested development, I feel like, in my... uh, Just even in everything, my emotional uh, intelligence, my actual intelligence. I agree, man. I feel like... It slowed
0: down for a number of years. Like I would say that it was... Is that gin on that side? Yeah. I would say it did. It slowed down because there was a period where... Oh, man. I noticed it, but this is before you kind of told me too there was a period when I didn't know you were on drugs right there was a period I didn't know and I was like man Corey's yeah, just yeah cause you've
1: never been a drug addict around them so it's like sometimes you could just nope. play out maybe he's just an erratic person and I thought Corey's just he's in a new phase
0: with his comedy he's in a new you know direction with what he's doing where he's going um, all of that I was here to put that back over there I just was kind of of that mind where I thought, well, I think he maybe he's just shifting gears, you know, he's got a different take on his comedy, he's figuring things out. And then you told me eventually you're like, "Yeah, man, I've been on I've been on these uh I kept drugs it a secret o, from
1: o. everyone."
0: Yeah. And then you told everyone. me and I was like, "Oh, it like you know, the, the light bulb goes off. I was like, yeah. "Oh, this is why he's been all over the place
1: my mom says the same thing she i I mean i remember the day when i just couldn't get any and when you can't get any opiates after you've been taking them every day you go into withdrawal it's called kicking and i was kicking hard and i had to go to work i had all these things i remember going downstairs and i just broke down i was like mom like and just basically just told her i'm like i'm addicted to vicodin or whatever and it's not good. Like, and then I was just curled up on the couch, and you know, very fiddling. Especially for my mom, who's you know one of the greatest people ever. She just it's pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> she's a great. I mean, just a great woman yep. altogether. Very compassionate, very loving, and you know, she took it head on. And the hardest part of that whole thing is I remember we were. At, I was at rehab, uh, and I have a lot of different thoughts on rehab. I think. If it can help you, good. But it did not help me. I was doing drugs the day out. There's
0: a lot of people that fit that profile. It doesn't doesn't right. Help. It's other things,
1: yeah. The, I think the hardest part <clears throat> for me was seeing my mom feel like it was her fault. Yeah, like you yeah. know, like somehow what she did I do it. to make yeah? And it's like you have no. no idea. You had nothing to do with this. Yeah. You know, it's it's it really nothing to do with it. Yeah. Like it was just one of those. You know, I tried something and. You know, there are people, I've met people along the way who have tried like cocaine, and like yep. anytime cocaine's run, they're like, okay, get some cocaine.
0: Right. People get very. I don't get that. Yeah.
1: I don't, it doesn't do it for me. It's I not get your really thing. anxious. Yep. Not your friend. Yep. And I don't get like um, alcoholics. Like, you know, people that are like, if there's a drink around, and that is crazy to me that you like, you go into a grocery store and there's just aisles of it, aisles of it. Yeah. Where my thing was was, yeah, painkillers. And it did exactly that. It killed the pain of whatever I was going through. Um, you know, my anxiety, it made me feel warm and fuzzy, but the main thing is, is it, it like rewarded me for doing absolutely nothing. you know that's why, yeah, it's one of those things. it, it, it kills your drive for sure because it's like, why do I need to go, you know, do this when I could pop two of these and feel like so happy. But in the end, it's uh, the worst thing I've ever done to myself, for sure.
0: Yeah. It was a rough patch, man. I mean, I really... I remember going through it. um, And I think it's relevant to talk about because I think a lot of people struggle with substances, whether it's alcohol. Yeah. um, We all have our things, right? Like, substances aren't my... You know, the thing I've struggled with. You know, I I would say the things I've struggled with are completely different in my life. But I would say they are equally as heavy, but they're just not that. You oh, know, for it's, sure. It's just not substances. But but there's a lot of people, man. They struggle with alcohol. And I, I feel like what you've hit on, which I think is it's true, it's that amazing social network, right? If you have a, a network of people that love you, but you also have to be willing to admit you have a problem. I think there was there was a point where you you it, you've voiced it and you told me, and you're like, this is what's going on. And then I was like, oh, fine. I'm, I was like, first of all, I'm glad you let me in. You right. know, first, I'm glad you told me, and then two.
1: The only thing that kept me from that was shame. By the way, of course. Just, just so you know, it Fudge was j- only. Totally, it wasn't man. that I was like like keeping secrets. It was I felt so ashamed.
0: Right. You just didn't want to. Tell and me a that.
1: lot of people yeah. deal with that. Who
0: would man? Who would want to say anything? That's no. It's very rough.
1: So. And two. What's that? You said and two. You said one.
0: Oh, the social network, right? The people, mm-hmm. the the friends. Um, I think the second part is just the you know the willing to to admit you have a problem, like the accountability. Right. There comes that point too, because I feel like if a person is not accountable, or you're, I don't know. And there's a there's a touchy thing with guys sometimes, right?
1: Yeah. Don't ask for help.
0: Yeah. So right, and there, and and if someone confronts you, I don't even like that word confront. But if I were to come up to someone who say had an alcohol problem that I knew and I was close with, and I said, look. I really hate seeing you do this. There can be a very real shutdown on the other person, too, where they're like, defensive, one, like, fuck off. That can be one. Or Mm -hmm. two, I don't have a problem. Total denial. Um, Or they're hurt and, like, I don't really need to be, you know, badgered or beat down on this. They can take it a bunch of different ways. Yeah. So it's rough. It's an it's a rough thing to navigate. But you're lucky, man. There's well, lot, it's that's a, a, a weird situation where
1: you're a victim yeah. of something, but you're also causing victims with your victimness. <laughs> you for know for what sure. I mean? For sure. Like, yeah, I, I get that there are people who are. You know, predisposed to like being addicted to things like I am. I just, yep. there are certain things that if you, like, if I get Vicodin, I'll just want to keep taking it. And so I stay as far away from opiates as I can. Yeah. Where. I haven't had to shut down everything in my life. Like a lot of people do have to do that. I yeah. don't have to stop. Like I yeah. don't ever drink. You know this. I never, mm-hmm. I, this is a special occasion for me. Yeah. So I, I <laughs> never, drinking right, right, <laughs> right. But I never do it. Yeah. I mean, you're, I know you're, rare. You're, you're not much at all. Yeah. So, um, and then, but, but there are people that it's like, all right, well, if you know, you have to stop doing everything. Yeah. And I, but that wasn't me. Luckily it was, it was, I had that one thing that was like my Achilles heel of drugs. Yeah. Um, and, and then everything else I kind of tolerate because I just didn't have the stomach for it. And there are lots of people out there like that. There's people that are like uppers. There's people like downers.
0: Right. Well, let me ask you this because this is something we've talked about uh, and it's been a shift in recent the recent year. So we, I don't know how long it was ago, but we ended up talking about psychedelics, right? Yeah. And we had talked, or I, had, I told you about Shane Moss. That yes. was kind of how I opened up that conversation. So for the people that are listening and or watching, uh, Shane Moss is a comedian. Um, I've mentioned him before in one of my other talks, um, and I think it was not that long ago I mentioned him, but what what he, essentially what this was about was he was this comedian who was um, essentially self-medicating with psilocybin mushrooms to treat his bipolar and was having these bouts of depression and then would take psilocybin mushrooms and then he would twice i think he would take a dose one week and then space it out take another dose and then he'd be good for like four months right three, three to four months and then he'd have to do it again as opposed to being on a perpetual you know pharmaceutical drug which f-
1: are the worst i've been on like seroquil and Effexor. there's They're one of those effects you try to get off of it and you get these things called brain shivers Where it feels like I'm not kidding, like it feels like someone's rocking your skull back and forth in your brain, or your brain's going back. Yeah, and it's a known thing. I was taking like 75 milligrams, and then I was like, "Man, what? I don't want to." You know, it wasn't working. Like, there's all these crappy side effects. And uh, and then I was just yeah. So so, anyways, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just want to say, I those pharmaceuticals are evil, man.
0: Well, that I think that was the drive for Shane Moss too. He was saying he realized that. He was at a place where the, the drugs were making him feel so terrible outside of what he was trying to address that he started looking at alternative methods, started doing research. And then when... When was it when we took our first little journey with... It was
1: psilocybin? July 17th.
0: Of la- this last summer. Yeah. right? A summer...
1: only reason I remember is because I met the love of my life almost the very next day. <laughs> right. And this is a cool story. Yeah, but yeah. Dear, dear pickle. Yeah, dear pickle.
0: Yeah, um, so... Yeah, so Corey came to me, uh, just to give context for the people that, you know, that are listening, Corey came to me, God, it was like last summer, and you were going through...
1: I had, I think I had just given up um, the the Adderall and That's the, right. all that shit. You had like bumped
0: off of It was like the funk. November
1: 4th, and I was like, I, I, I was finally like five or six months in from that. Right. So I think it was like June or That's something. That's right.
0: And you had made the decision to get off of them um, for a number of different reasons, right? Um, yeah, but you yeah. had just kind of gotten fed up with the with doing that, <clears throat> and you were talking to me, and you were just saying there was like this depression, there was this heaviness, you were feeling just fucked up, basically. Yeah. It was it was not a good space for you. Well, let me in.
1: let me let me add to that just yeah. a little bit so it doesn't yeah, minimize it. By
0: yeah, give some context. Yeah.
1: I, there was a point for anyone who has mental health issues or, or, or doesn't even know, there was a point where I was daydreaming, daydreaming about dying. Now, not hurting myself, but like, man, if I died, I would get all this love. People would miss me. It would be like all the things that I feel like I had been missing Or use drugs to like, right. um, like, you know, paint over. It would like, it would all come at once. And so... I want to be very clear there are people that have you know that are it's you know they have a tendency to like where they might actually want to hurt themselves I never thought about like actually hurting myself but the the thought of like man I wish I would just die in some like some way that would make people feel really sorry for the fact that I'm gone and then they'd miss me then they'd right. see and it was like it was just a shitty 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 feeling because it oh yeah and it It was just needed a change of perspective, Gray. That's all it was. Because not anything, all the things that were making me think like that haven't really changed. I'm not a famous comedian out there. I don't have right. tons of money. Like all these things are, are, there are still things that I still had in my life. Then what it was, was I, I just now have a different perspective. Yeah. I know that I'm loved. That has a huge, huge payoff for me to know that you have people around you that care about you. Yeah. And and, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But a, a big f- a part of the, one of the last journeys we did was realizing that.
0: Yeah. It was huge. So Corey, thank you for that because that does give um, a larger plug-in, you know, in a mm-hmm. context. And Corey came to me and was just saying, you know, you were saying like, I, I feel terrible. You said that that same thing to me. You're like, I'm not. You're like, I'm, and you told me, and I believed you, and yeah. I really did. You're like, I'm not going to hurt myself, but I'm having this emotional thing come over me where I'm like, it'd be easier if I was just gone. Yeah. And I thought, Jesus Christ, that's really heavy. And that was where I said, I said, Do you, uh, I said, Corey, I don't know. If there's some problems I'm not sure you can like think your way out of. I know. I said sometimes you have to maybe feel your way out of them. And, and that's where we talked about psychedelics, right? I said, may, maybe. I said, if you're open to it. And then I referred you to a bunch of research.
1: And I was terrified, mind you, because <laughs> right, right. of my, my experience with edible cannabis. Yes, me too. Which, is if not there's anyone thing. out there that takes it and is like, wait, I don't get it. Like, I, it is a nightmare it's, it's for ter- me. Ter- ter- yeah. Same for me. Yeah.
0: Ed- edible cannabis makes me feel like I'm dying.
1: Yeah, like if I have too much. Yeah, I was telling you about the time I took hundred milligrams on accident because my friend Adriel, thanks, Dick, um, <laughs> gave me a pill and he's like, "This this will be Sorry, a good bro. idea." Yeah, and then I took it oh. and I was in my room like this for eight hours. Please, I was I was chanting, "Please make it <laughs> like stop. a mantra." Please make it stop. Please make oh, it stop. Oh, like an, an
0: incantation to come out of the right. Spell, right. Yeah,
1: and and I finally passed out and like woke up and I was still high, but. Yeah, it's horrible, not right. It's so not you were freaked out. Yet. So yeah. I, so I thought maybe mushrooms. If it's anything close to that, no you're, like, you're like, hell no. And I, right. and I live in my head. You know this about me. So I Absolutely. was always like, oh, I heard people. You know, I heard a guy. Uh, wouldn't let anyone touch him because he thought he was a glass of orange juice and they were trying to drink him and like all these crazy urban legends that right. probably aren't true. Right, right. But yeah, so I was very, yeah, I was very scared to say the you least. You were,
0: yeah, you were. But we, we talked about it at length. Uh, I think I sent you the Joe Rogan podcast with Paul Stamets. I mm-hmm. sent you some research I had found that I had come across and I said, you know, check this out, read about it, think about it, sit with it. And I said, the next time you come to Sacramento, maybe we can kind of sit and do that. And uh, you you agreed Right. And that first time that was last uh, summer. Yeah. And then what happened?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was, um, I mean, we had, I, I don't know what shook loose for me. Yeah. But you know, like I said, I was daydreaming of just like not being here anymore. like I said, not hurting myself, but like, I wish I was in a car accident or something, something. So I wasn't here. To then, um, like, all right, I'll try anything. And I was super scared, but I have a lot of faith in our friendship and trust in you. Yep. And I, I, it was the perfect person to do it the first time with because yep. when I remember when we, when we took them, we did a little, um, uh, like a prayer before And it, it, it I don't know It was a, a nice ritual Especially us yeah. You know Being raised Catholics Yeah Some of that sure. stuff Can kind of get you In the right mind frame To be a little bit More yeah. spiritual And
0: Well yeah And just to to give context to that Like it wasn't anything That I devised Or made up It's sitting in a few What you would call Medicine ceremonies Over the last 10 or 12 years right. Like I'm not a shaman I would never claim to be I'm not at all I'm just a dude But but I've learned a couple of things, and I think you've this. been a shaman
1: to me, though. I mean, it was it really did. It helped though, right? I mean, yeah.
0: the, the, the ritual of putting that in there, um, of just you know, I was like. Let's do some breathing. Yeah, it helped my nerves. Like, yeah, like, I was like, "Oh, let's... this
1: isn't just drugs I'm taking." No, like, to like go quite to the a, opposite, right? Yeah, like well, you just take drugs and go to a concert and or no. you know the Grateful Dead or something. This was like a really profound thing for me. Yeah, and that that kind of got me into a state of like well, it puts reverence. Me in, it, yeah,
0: and, it puts me into the same state, which is why I do it too. It's right. it's it, the ritual I think is just to get your mental palate into a place where you're receptive. Right. Because, you know, the, jumping into the psychedelic world, I mean, it's a shit show sometimes and things can come up. So I always feel like prepare for the worst and maybe things will go really well. But yeah, we did breath work. We said some prayers. We, you know, kind of went, asked Ancestry and were like, you know, if wherever our Ancestry is, like help us with whatever we're going to process through this journey tonight. Right. And we just, you know, we did a, did some clearing, you know, we lit some of the, you know, did the hippy dippy shit. We got some uh, Palo Santo and you right. know, like, you know, we just smudged ourselves and then, uh, you know, to be honest, because what you had told me, you know, like I said, I'm not, I wasn't resident shaman by any means, but I was like, uh, you're going through some shit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, Corey's up, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. get my shit ready, dude, because Corey's about to probably have a meltdown because I've yep. seen one of my other friends, close friends have a meltdown.
1: Right. So. And I was, pre- the weird you thing know, is, you were were I was prepared, prepared for, for that you, too. You I was prepared. like, all right, bring it on. You because prepared. you had specifically told me, you're yep. like, this might happen. You're right. But. First of all, you will come out of it. It's not going to be permanent, mm-hmm. and um, and and it'll be important for that to happen. So I yeah. was almost kind of like, you know, like when you break down muscle tissue, so it'll grow back uh, yeah, stronger. Yeah. That's exactly what I was kind of prepared for. Yep. But that's that's not what happened. <laughs> no. I mean, it was great, but I did not no. have a bad trip. <laughs> no, and that
0: was that was right. We did our thing. You know, we we we, we uh, drank our tea, and then I think we just sat around for a little while, and within. 10. 20 minutes Corey looked at me and he goes I feel good yeah and I was like you do yeah and you were like yeah I feel good yeah And I, I thought, remember that and I remember thinking okay well, well a little bit we'll of a layer yeah give it some time maybe this is just the onset but that's I was I was I was encouraged by that I thought <laughs> maybe this isn't gonna be a total fucking meltdown and then yeah and then what happened
1: Well then, I okay. Well, at least from my perspective, and then maybe you can tell me yours. I I remember looking up, and I remember there was an airplane going across the sky, and you said something. You said, "How'd you like to be trapped in that doing mushrooms right now?" (laughs) And I was like, I was like, "Oh my god!" And that was so funny to me for some reason. Like the thought of just this little metal capsule going across the (laughs) sky like this. You know, it didn't have wings or anything. It was just this little metal capsule. And, like, people were like, ah! I was, like, shrooming inside it. And I, and yeah. then I just was like, I just, like, thought that was so funny. And then you were like, "Here." And then you were like, hey, let me put on some music. And, like, you were, your vibe was very, like, yeah. Like, you were kind of controlling the party. I remember it was kind of this kind of vibe. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you had the lights going. And then you put on a song, which was Come La Vida. Cumbia Del Olvido. Greatest song I've ever heard. It's Pookie, by, I think that's Pookie. There. It
0: is Pookie. That's a, that's a shout out to Pookie. The sure. song was
1: amazing. But you put it on yep. and that kind of set a vibe for like, I remember like hearing it and I was like, "Whoa, okay. And I, it wasn't yeah. too much. And then it kind of, it was like, I remember laying on the grass. I, oh, the other thing that you did was you're like, hey, you want some water? And I was like, yeah. And it was, you had gotten frozen strawberries. That's right. And you put them in the canteen, so it was like, instead of ice cubes, you had fr- and it, t- it was strawberry water. Yeah. And I remember taking a drink and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you this ever seen a kid amazed- eat ice cream for the first time on <laughs> this YouTube? This is the most amazing that- thing ever. Right. And, and But I remember you had this look like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 And then, um, yeah, I, and I think where, what really set it off was, so so it was fun. I remember laying on the grass, and, and I remember specifically thinking, like, why would anybody ever sleep inside? Why wouldn't you just sleep on grass? Because it felt so good. But I remember I had to pee from drinking all that strawberry water. Well, before this was the Little Homies.
0: Was it? Little I thought ho-
1: it was because I stood up.
0: Little Homies went first, then you went to go pee. And oh, then,
1: yeah, and then... that was the rabbit hole that set it off. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So we had, so I'll, well, I'll just interject Mm -hmm. this piece.
0: Now, all of this, right? This is the weird part, at least for me about mushrooms, is that when you eat them, it's a mixed bag, right? There's all these crazy things that can happen. There's usually a euphoria. There's usually usually a little bit of panic. There's a little bit of, oh shit. Right. But we hit this, we hit this phase where Corey and I just started talking and we started sharing stories. And I told this story to Corey about, um, when I was very, when I was really young, I was like 18, I think. Uh, The first time I sat with mushrooms And that was recreationally Just being a kid Right And um, I was with a buddy of mine And we drove to Monterey And on the way back We basically (laughs) stopped at a Safeway And we found These little Little homies Which were these little Tiny plastic containers Out of like a
1: With Mexicans in them With (laughs)
0: Mexican Cholo vatos Inside of them And you opened them up instead of candy being in Like those little vending machines That have the 25 cents You open them And it's like an egg And when you open it It's like, you know, Victor, and he's got, like, you know, his little cholo outfit on it. And you're like, and we were on mushrooms. Right. We thought, what the fuck is this? And we started losing it. I told Corey this story. And Corey, like, he's like, wait, so there's little tiny, like, Mexican characters
1: (laughs) inside the the eggs. And I'm like, yes, bro. And he's like. But we started going down the rabbit hole of, like, who thought of this? Who thought thought, like. Hey, who saw like a bunch of cholo's walking down the street? And was like, you know, what would be awesome is if we put them in little plastic eggs and sold them for oh a quarter. Oh my
0: god, we lost and it so hard. We started laughing so because I said, I was like, no cancer research, no foundation, right? <laughs> little, <laughs> little homies, little, little homies, homies. <laughs> little homies. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> little
1: cholo, little plastic cholos and little plastic eggs oh, for a quarter. Shit. it
0: was really funny. And
1: yeah, yeah. And so when you're on when you're on uh, uh, psychedelics, I feel like. These rabbit holes, yeah, they're oh my god, man, they're 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 they can be. Am- I'm sure they can be bad too. I haven't experienced any bad ones yet.
0: I have, yeah, they're 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 a little rough, but right. yeah.
1: So we we go down this
0: road, and then Corey says he has to go to the bathroom. Oh yeah, so I have to
1: go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom, and I remember standing up, and I remember I had I didn't have shoes on, I, and we were in the backyard, and it was summer, it was beautiful, and I stood up, and I was looking for my shoes. Yeah, and but I was doing this for like five minutes before Gray was like, "What are you doing, man?"
0: Because it took it was taking you a long <laughs> right. time to go. Because I was I was looking for shoes. I was like,
1: yeah. "I'm looking for my shoes," so I can go to the bathroom. And you're like, "You don't need your shoes to go to the bathroom," and I'm like, "Oh yeah." So then I go and I pee and I come back and I'm still. Oh, I finally find them and I sit down. And I don't even know like this I, I'm curious to know if people will find this funny because if it was just the psychedelics or if it truly is but I I sat down and I was like whew that was a mission I wish I had Sam <laughs> Samwise Gamgee and the rest of the Ninja Turtles to help me out well, in your face no
0: and there was there was a good whatever how many seconds it was but I think about a 10 second silence I looked at him and I and I remember thinking wait did, I, was, I was. Did you just say you wish that you had Samwise Gemji, and the rest of the Ninja Turtles <laughs> helping you? And he's like, Yeah, like, yeah, of course I said that. And I was <laughs> like, and I was like, Corey, what the fuck does in that mean? In what universe have they <laughs> ever been in the same story? And you're like, No, no, no. I just wish they were helping me. And you were trying to explain to me. I'm like, No, I get it. <laughs> but why those two things? And so. God, I mean, Corey and I from that point forward. I
1: fell out of a chair.
0: You fell backwards out of I the recliner. I fell backwards yeah. out of the
1: recliner. Like
0: he started laughing. So Corey and I, I mean, this is the this is the weird part of the therapy. I feel like of psychedelics was yeah. Corey and I were pinned. Like I always think of if the, if the mushroom is a personality, it put us into like a jujitsu lock mm-hmm. and was holding us down and like well, we couldn't stop laughing. We couldn't stop laughing for. Usually it's about a four-hour ride. Mm-hmm. For three of those hours, Corey and I laughed to the point where... First of all, we were crying. Like Yeah, we were crying. our sides hurt. My, my stomach cramped at least three or four times. Yeah. And I would just roll over on the grass away from Corey. <laughs> and I was like, don't say anything. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. And then he'd go, Samwise, Gimji, and the rest of the Ninja Turtles. And it would start back up. And we would just lose our shit. It was horrible.
1: <sighs> but it was... Was but cr- then the was, rabbit holes we went down from there too about how world crippling. peace could be fixed if we sent you know <laughs> Samwise Gamgee like and then we imagine if if there was a guy who was on murder on, on trial for murder and you were a lawyer and you yes. just stood up and you went up to the jury and go ladies and gentlemen the jury I get it he killed a bunch of people he stabbed him in the face it's awful <laughs> let me just leave you with this Samwise Gamgee. And the rest of, of the Turtles intro would not send him to prison or whatever. Totally. And, and it was yeah.
0: No, no, it was it was hysterical. I mean it was so mm-hmm. funny because I mean in that space, right? People are hearing this and some of people are like, it's not funny at all. Like right. totally. No, not funny. no absolutely. You know, and if, it's but,
1: not something you can kind of explain no, away. And I fully, get there might ha- be people listening like or or watching or whatever, going like, okay. But I think the important part of what yes. happened was after
0: Yes. Well, exactly. So Corey and I laughed for three hours to the point where we couldn't talk. Everything revolved around this. And it was different scenarios. We were like riffing off of this mm-hmm. thing. And we couldn't get out of it though. Like we would try to start a different conversation and then it would just pop back in. Right. And so we both kind of got this hint. We kind of realized we're like, okay, we're being pinned here. Mm-hmm. Like we're supposed to stay in this little thing and laugh until we're just so exhausted. So at about the three hour mark.
1: Which was great therapy. Oh the I needed that. No, no,
0: totally. We laughed so hard. Mm-hmm. And then Corey... We laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed to the point of tears. And then we both got silent. And then we had this really cool... We were laying... I had mats mm-hmm. out on the lawn. And then we both laid down. And we were silent probably for a good 20 minutes. Yeah. We didn't say anything. And we were finally... And we were so exhausted. I mean, it was a welcome... Yeah, that's was, for sure. It, was it felt a, like we had ran a It was miracle. a welcomed reprieve. I think we burned at least 5,000 calories laughing. For sure, man. And so we, we stopped. And then it was... I think you or I said something, but i, I was—I said to you. I remember saying, "Boy, like there's some things in my life that I really need to work on, and there's some things that I—I've realized I've been too harsh with these people, you know, A, B, and C." And then Corey was receptive, and he just listened. And then you kind of chimed in with your your pieces. And right. the last hour was just—it was like two people in a therapy session, pretty much dumping whatever we had. But the 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 stage was set. Through that crippling laughter, right? Yeah. And Corey, I mean, that was so funny. You said you're like, I have not laughed that much in the last or that hard, yeah, in like the last fifteen years combined. You're like that—that that was fifteen years of made up. No, laughter I was.
1: Like- I've always felt like it was my responsibility to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I had laughed hard with my friends, but not like that kind of. It was like uh, an exorcism. It was, it like, was like I That's needed exactly to get. what it was like. Yeah, and it was. It was. It was like. The best way to have an exorcism. <laughs> it wasn't pain. I mean, it was painful sometimes, but like, oh, um, it, pa- it was painful. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was like fun painful. But it yeah. was like fun painful, and it was like, I don't know. I, 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 don't. I still, I still don't know if I could put my finger on what exactly was happening there. Yeah, I, um, I couldn't either. It was definitely because I remember the after the next few days when you were checking in on me, and I was asking you like, what do you think that was? Your, your kind of answer was like, well, I think, I don't think we'll, we'll ever know, but I do think that it's just proof that your spirit is intact. Yeah. You're still and there. Then, right. Because here I was so worried that I was going to take these things and I was going to think I was an orange juice glass and I wouldn't let anybody near and me because I wanted to drink. And it, freak like out. I just said, yeah. <laughs> and it was nothing like that. In fact, we woke up the next day and we went to Costco. Which was epic. It was epic. There was a foot massager there. We were like, you know. and I had to go,
0: like, I think B, my
1: wife, and my daughter were <clears throat> out doing something. I told Corey I had to
0: go to Costco. I was like, hey, B Oh,
1: they had to go to a class. And so while that's they right. were in the class. That's right. And right. I was like,
0: yeah, I said to Corey, I said, Corey, you want to meet me at Costco? And I mean, and this is so post-psychedelic journey. No, like, we drove together because that's it right. was the day after. That's right. right. And Corey was like, yeah, let's, oh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you were like, let's go. And so we go there. I love going to Costco. And we're walking Especially around high. and we're both uh, integrating mm-hmm. from the night before, but both euphoric. Yeah. We're both Sitting
1: under- in all the, ch- the massage chairs. Oh, it was great. And-,
0: and we talked and we kind of, we recounted the night, essentially right. what, what we went through. And you felt, you said, it was like a switch, right? I mean, you said you felt night and day difference from...
1: Yeah. And, but I think, so, but when it, something like that happens, you don't know if it's temporary. Right. But when when it was like when I was back in L.A. a week or two later and things were going great and it was just like just like I was killing it on stage. I had met this new girl. All of these things were starting to click. That's when I was like, oh, shit. It was very it was a very profound feeling of like, I think I found what could fix me. Or at least have
0: a piece in it, right? Like of like
1: resetting. All of this uh, Seroquel or effects or all this like Xanax, all these things that these doctors shoved in my face. And the whole time, you know, one of the things that I, and I, and I have done all of those uh, pharmaceuticals and none of them, you know, They didn't do anything for me. In fact, they made it worse. And then I did this and everything started clicking. And because of that, I think that's a huge reason I decided to come back to Sacramento. Yeah. One, for love, which is there a better reason in the world? No. And two, because I wasn't doing anything down there. I felt like because I was down there, I was... um, like that was enough. Like, oh, yeah. he's in L.A., so he must be successful, right? Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the case. I, in fact, like coming back here, getting back to my roots, and you know, this is where this is the city where I became funny, and I'm yeah. around people who hold me accountable. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are a lot of uh, benefits to being back here, plus having my family around because. I, I would withdraw from 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 society like yeah in a way. yeah because like you peel out yeah I mean I had a few friends like my friend Adrian who would always come by and rattle my cages what do you like to call it but <laughs> I could still you know text him away just which like with anybody you could yeah but when you're waking up next to your girlfriend she's like all right you've been in bed for two days like this is not cool you know it just, she hasn't can't. had to do that luckily yeah. like I've been like in my own mind like I don't want to be a shitty dude right so right. so there. are I just, I just have to say though, with with combining the the um, psychedelics and then coming back here, it absolutely has changed my life. And so I think anybody, I think you have to be careful if you have mental health issues because I don't, I, like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I could just tell you what works. No, no, for no me. there's
0: definitely contraindications, and it's like there's no advocate saying you should do it. Right? It's just, it, it's. I mean,
1: I'm just telling my story totally. of how it.
0: No, I think there's a lot of people, man. That's the thing. It's all anecdotal,
1: people mm. sharing
0: their experience, right? But I think that was the the piece that struck me was because I got to watch you go from from one side to the other. It was like a coin flipping, because
1: yeah, and because, you would know, yeah. And you we, would know, you remember?
0: Man. I mean, at, towards the end of that uh, the end of that journey, I was talking to you. I remember I said, Corey, I was like, the, I was like, the work you're doing is important. I was like, you're funny as hell you know you're, you're oh yeah yeah and that, that was, was a
1: big turning point and yeah that we kind of glossed over was there was a uh the part where you were talking about when we kind of got done laughing and we quieted we down settled down yeah a huge part was like that yeah it was i remember having a very distinct feeling like man i got a like, tony robbins here because <laughs> you completely reconstructed my self-worth just with yeah. basic, like, because I feel like part of the reason you were able to do that too, obviously, um, you know, you're very intelligent and you have a, a, a large vocabulary, but like you also know me. So, so you telling me these things and me knowing you're not a bullshitter. Yeah,
0: definitely not. It
1: meant so much more like, fuck, he's right. And making uh, great points, you know, making great points about, yeah. you know, and the fact that like, I, I do having this remember having this distinct feeling of like, man, if I was a, as big of a sh- piece of shit as I have been thinking I was, then why would I have all these amazing people around me? Who, fair who enough, refuse right? to give up on me. Yeah. And that is, you know, that is a, it's an amazing feeling. And, and I feel like one of the things that the psychedelics did was, was help, me, help me get there.
0: And it, I feel like it made you receptive. Because I could have had that conversation to you you know, at a different time. And it would have been like, yeah, yeah, thanks. You know, but right. we, but I think once, once that's the beautiful piece of psychedelics is that they pull you into this realm where you're receptive. Some of the barriers are dropped and it's like dropping that seed in right at the right time. Because all I said to you was, I said, the work you're doing is relevant and important. I said, you're bringing joy to people's lives. I said, right. the, the world's fucked up. Like people yeah. are, I mean, there's a lot to be upset about. There's a lot to be worried about. I said you're bringing levity to the the souls of the people that you're touching. I said that's relevant work. I said you know have some have some you know gusto and Corey like shit you're awesome yeah and, and you got it you were like yeah I am and I was yeah. like yes you are well so did so that, that kind you know, of kickstart
1: of like yeah. um and 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 you know I feel like moving forward with our journeys this last journey we went on was a lot different
0: yeah. lot more introspective. It was a
1: lot more introspective, but it was, it was, um, it was just different. Each thing is its own, uh, own journey, its own universe, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, this one for me, I I remember having, uh, I've had some, some, because like you said, um, you have to kind of reset it every few months. Yeah. I had a very, I started, uh, like kind of sinking back into that old way of thought of not being worthy enough or being good enough. And after this last journey, I remember having this feeling of like, wow, I'm loved. And and having that feeling of being loved was like, it was so profound for me. It was so profound because it was like nourishment, man. It was like sunlight. It was like a blanket of warmth. And really, people don't need too much. We're pretty resilient. But one thing I feel like we all need is like, Love, yeah, you know? in yeah, one man, form pretty, or another, pre, it's
0: pretty simple. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I'm not talking about sex love. I'm not even talking about girlfriend love. I'm just talking about pure like, if anything were ever to happen to this person, yeah, there's a feeling you get when yeah. you know somebody, yep, would would be destroyed if something happened to you, and that kind of built me up to know like, wait, I can't take myself for granted. I can't daydream about hurting myself or or being hurt or whatever or dying because. That would be, like if if these people died, that would crush me. Why would I ever do something like that right, to someone else? Right. Purposely, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, so this is really good because I remember when when you that last journey, you were on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Corey was. I have this. I have this awesome space heater in my <clears throat> in my office, which we're in right now. Mm-hmm. But I have this awesome space heater that has the fake fire, and it was getting really hot in the room. And so at one point. I turn it off but the flames are still going and i leave Corey alone for what i don't know 30 40 50, i don't even know 45 45 minutes yeah. i come back because Corey was in his own space and, and he's huddled up next to the fire he's curled up around around him. the space heater and he's like i'm so cold man i just can't get cold i'm like it's because the heater's not on bro
1: well that's a perfect <laughs> example of mind over matter <laughs> <Totally>. because <laughs> it wasn't even that cold in here it no. was that i had been cold when we started the journey outside because it was freezing yeah and i could never quite get warm yeah except for when I yeah. started thinking about like, oh, I'm loved, and that brought a actual physical warmth. warmth over me.
0: And you broke that down for me in that space. You said, "Yeah," and you said to me, you, "I was like, how you doing, man?" You rolled over and you're like, "I'm loved." or like you said yeah, something yeah. like that and I, was, I remember I, was,
1: I remember you then you were also like well tell me about it. and I was like I can't yeah, I talk was like, words I was right like now.
0: Corey I was like yeah I asked you some super deep existential right. question about Catholicism because Corey's mm. Catholic I'm mm. like I'm like bro so where, what's your relationship with Catholicism nowadays and you're like
1: I remember having I my face down, like I can't <laughs> say the words right now. I think
0: that's my rhythm to a fault to ask the wrong <laughs> questions sometimes at the wrong time. No, no, I mean, but it, you were but like,
1: also got me thinking about it. But yeah. it was like, you are like, there is no way I could. You are like, I can't verbalize this. Like, I
0: cannot do this right now. No like, way. Fair enough. There was no way. So you know, swinging this back to this has helped, right? Uh, in terms of just. The pharmaceuticals, right? The, the drugs, like the the, the introduction the of... psychedelics or the... The psychedelics have have seemed to have made a shift, right? Mm-hmm. That, that have like shifted things for the better. And then with that, um, obviously you met Nicole.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is my pickle.
0: Like the next day. My yeah, I, I, I always tell people like, day. oh, how
1: did you meet Nicole? I say, oh, old school Tinder. They're like what's old school Tinder? I was like, that's my mom. <laughs> my mom's old school Tinder. I didn't have to swipe right. You know, if your mom says, hey... This girl thinks you're really cute. Like, I was like, oh, dude, give her, can I see if I can get her number? Oh, that's so And curious. it's funny. Like, her and I will kind of think about um, all the things that had to happen for us to get together. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like, it really strengthens our bond because like we, there's so many, like any other day we would have missed each other. Who knows if she would have been working. Right. There's all these things that kind of had to line up. And one of the things that had to line up was I had like I had no self worth the night before or yeah. the the week before. Yeah, that's right. So when my mom, you know, had told me about some girl uh, and they own a day spa that worked there, I was like she thinks you're really cute. You know, I might have just kind of like shrugged that off or whatever. But because she said, I was like, well, "Who are you talking about?" When she told me, I was like, "Oh, see, see if I can get her number." Um, and then from there. Gray came over, and then we constructed the perfect text message <laughs> right. by the pool.
0: <laughs> that's right. Corey's like, hey, man, she just texted me this. What should I say? I'm like, bro, give me your phone. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> like, we
1: picked out the perfect emoji. <laughs> yeah, I was like, give me this. <laughs> oh, no, no. Don't do the kiss face emoji. That's a little bit I'm too that's, aggressive. That's way too forward,
0: bro. Right. <laughs> way too forward. Well, I think but what's cool about this, right, is that it points to... I mean, this is the thing. It's not unique to our experience, but I think a lot of people talk about... I, it's like anything in life, right? When, once the psyche and the emotions have shifted, reality seems to kind of aug- yeah. augment and shift with it. Yeah. So it was this amazing. Um, it, I saw it almost like a sign. It was like, here we go. As soon as Corey had the ship, that that clicked over. Yeah. Then you were immediately into this, you know, relationship, and you were just. So into her and well, so- it was another
1: person that had to hold me accountable, which was huge because yeah. left to my own devices, like I said, I withdraw. Yep, every yep. time. Mm-hmm. And and like there, it's funny when Gray kind of approached me. He's like, "Hey, man, I want to start working out in the mornings." I was like, "Oh, cool, nine, ten o'clock." It's like, no, like the mornings, like be <laughs> up six thirty, be over here at like seven. And by the way, I only only seen 7 o'clock when I was, like, closing my eyes at 7 a.m. to go <laughs> <Right>. to sleep. <laughs> right. Like, for Post, a long time. Post-night Just, that shift, was my, right? Yeah, right. Post-night shift. <laughs> so, uh, but I remember, like, the first morning I woke up and I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, I had gone to bed early for it. And it's pretty much like, like that every time where, like, my yeah. first initials, like, ah, fuck. But yeah. I, then I look over and I see my girlfriend and I'm like, if I don't go, she's going to be like, fucking lazy lazy bitch yeah so it's a good it's a good catalyst to get me like you know what and then you also like i don't want to hear like dude come on man like what the fuck get over here like yeah yeah. and it's like it's like there's two people right there that i know are gonna hold me accountable where when i was in la i was so like you know you couldn't see me and you know like we could facetime and stuff but it was like i was i was so far away that that you know People could pull me out of what I was in. Yeah. And I finally kind of snapped out of it and it feels better. There was times where I'd go like a week without seeing the sun in the winter because you got to imagine the sun went down at like five right. and I would go, I mean, I would maybe see it in the morning, but I would go to bed at like nine, rough, 10 a.m. Though. It was, and, and I accepted it. I just was like, oh, no. I'm a vampire. Right. But it was, it was almost like, I don't need to do that now. Yeah. And that's why moving back here was important for me. I feel like. I do too,
0: man. I think it was a, I think it was a good move. And, and what I told you still stands true, which is people say, oh, you're leaving like the Hollywood scene. And it's like, you're not leaving the Hollywood scene with your tail between your legs. I said, you know, you're in love. It's a choice, you're, yeah. Yeah, you're coming back to a place where you started, which there's, there's a nostalgia, there's a romanticism. And this city,
1: now. Sacramento, has really grown up. You know what I mean? Dude, when so. I came
0: back, I was gone for 14 years, and I came back and I, and I was very surprised at how different right Sacramento was still got a lot of growing to do but I was right I was impressed I was like wow is not as bad as I remember you know right and it was right. never bad that's I shouldn't say bad
1: no so, but I know what you mean yeah
0: so what do you think now I guess with the introduction of psychedelics in relation to like your comedy has it reframed I don't know how you think about it or how you approach it or does it is it just sort of like internally things are better so therefore you're you know creating comedy I think differently? um
1: I think a little bit of all of it. I mean, I don't feel like there. I, I feel like I'm about three, three trips in right now. So I've done th- mushrooms three times. Um, and I feel like there's like each time something I've come away with something really important. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like I'm. I feel like before I could really focus on, on fixing, you know, even like. Like writing or or things in my comedy, I needed to fix like myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like You can't paint if yeah. you don't have a paintbrush and right, right, right. Is it an easel? <laughs> yeah. <I don't> know. <laughs> an e- easel. Uh, but yeah, like so. Now that those things are are somewhat like patched up and repaired, um, I feel like I have, you know, I have so much life that I need to talk about, and there's a lot of people out there that have. You know, mental health issues, addiction issues, all these things that a lot of people have gone through and i feel like um you know it's a, it's our quote from 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 that book we love it's like uh the true meaning of any art is foreshadowing a higher universe reality. Yep. i'm sure i kind of that's paraphrase p- That's that pretty much it though. Yeah. And i love that that saying because it's it's so true like the high mission
0: of any art is that.
1: Right. Yeah, to right. foreshadow that. Yep. Right. If you're going to put like your soul out there, and that's what any I feel like real art is, is putting like who you are out there, you you better make it worthwhile. You know? You better make it worth something that people throw it down. Yeah. Otherwise it's just yeah. I don't want to say garbage, <laughs> but otherwise it's just um it's contrived, it's it's well, not organic, it's it's not inspired. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's yeah.
0: You really need to throw down I think with conviction with your creative craft and with your passion and with your arts mm-hmm. to make a to do it right. Yeah. You got to throw it down heavy. And that's the way it should be thrown down. You know, meek art is not usually the move. It's usually like bold. Like let's do let's let's express, you know, let's yeah. let's really push this out. So, now that you're back in Sac and you're reframing Right, you're getting used to coming back to Sacramento, living here, right. whole rhythm of suburbia in, in downtown Sacramento. What are you looking to do in terms of the comedy scene now? Like, what's your intent when you're when you're starting in LA? Right, it's like I got to make it big with the big Hollywood right. com- comedy scene now, which is the
1: the opposite of what you should be doing. I know, Every no I matter know. what city yeah. you're in, your first and only thing is I should make whoever's in front of me laugh. Right and how do you get there if it makes your friends laugh if it makes you laugh you know um,
0: what is it now would you say like now that you're back in sac what what do you say like what's the directive how you, how are you approaching your comedy now as you start how, to like get your name back out here again
1: well easy i the the cool part is, is i have i have so much experience doing it and i like i said i'm very validated in doing it for years making complete strangers laugh Yeah. Right. That that's a huge thing for me because it gives me that confidence to know, like, oh, if I can make people who came to Hollywood to the comedy store wherever laugh, and they came there to see somebody famous, like a Joe Rogan or Lucy K, and I could still make them laugh, it's it's a pretty good indicator that you can make any crowd laugh. So for me, I'm just taking it like, let me get a few shows, big shows, yeah, you know, in front of a lot of people at the main places here, and just show them what I got yeah knock them dead and when i do i feel like that's you know the cream rises to the top no matter where you are so i feel like that's gonna be you know the next few months i'm really excited about so i plus having a show to look forward to i think i have one um laughs unlimited march 3rd it's the first tuesday in march nice and i'll be there (laughs) yeah yeah it's 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 called a pro-am and it's like i'm sure it's a bunch of like newbie comics but as far as this city is, I am new. Right. right. New I haven't been you, here in a you've long time. You've been gone, right. So I want to go up there and just knock it out of the park.
0: Yeah, as you should.
1: And then, you know, but that also gives me some incentive to write some new stuff. And right. I was telling you, part of the, the problem in the past has been that I, uh, I would get lazy with writing. And that's because you can go up and see a different crowd every night in L.A you can't do that here. So when you could see a different yeah. crowd every night in LA, you could do right. the same jokes for years and people will they'll crush because they haven't seen it. But here I feel like, you know, if you come to a show, I don't want to do the same jokes I did for the, you know, the last show that you saw. Yeah. I don't want to do it. it and so it kind of it kind of makes me go, "All right, well, let me get some new material out there." Yeah. And that's another great reason I'm happy to be back. So,
0: <clears throat> well, really good man I'm glad you're I'm glad you're back in this scene I'm glad you're um, you know a big fish in a small pond like I, I like that dude that's yeah. a, that's a that's a good move in the purest sense I aim for that people are like why would you want to be that I'm like that's exactly what I would aim for <laughs> like, right please give me that right so I think it's really good um, that you that you're circling back and I love that. just you know as a hat tip to you that you're still pursuing the thing that you fucking yeah. love like it's so. Exciting. I will
1: always pursue it. I know. I know you, There's no I know way you will. That,
0: I feel like that's where. I don't know. I feel like as you, soon as I let I, go
1: of the this expectation that people have expect yeah. me to be somewhere. You know what? Like you, you put it perfectly the other night. You were like, if people are asked, oh, so Corey came back. What did you give up? Comedy? You, you tell it straight. Like no, he came back to his roots. He's in love. It's a very simple formula. Yeah. And when is. you said that, it hit me like you're. You know, I wouldn't have put it like that because I overthink things. Mm-hmm. But that is one hundred percent right. I'm in love with a girl who yeah. I fucking adore. Yeah. She's hilarious. It's great. It's yeah. exciting. It's fun. And I'm around my friends and family. Yep. And, you know, I'm back to my roots. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a, in a smaller city and there are still super funny people here and yep. the crowds are, you know, it's not like if you make a crowd here here laugh, it's any different than making a crowd in LA laugh. Yeah. You know, it's it's just what's funny is funny. But it's, it is it's a very simple formula and so far it's it's great. I've only been here a month and a half, almost 2 months.
0: A lot has transpired too. You have worked now. Right. Yeah. We're working out things. we're working out in the mornings. So. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're getting to hang out. We but walk. it's the accountability is what I say for most of that. Um it really is, man. Like I feel like I get up and I I, I accomplish things that I Plus, I was in a situation in l a where I made like a lot of money in like two nights of work, so and I just paid my bills and it was like, yeah, it was like a rut. it was very simple where coming up here was a huge sacrifice of like I don't know if I'll have work or sure, I'm kind of like, but it was it's a risk I'm glad I took because I'm can instantly already feel how much happier I am yeah. for sure,
0: yeah. Well, that was one of the things that we were talking about, and I think it's true for a lot of people. When they make, um, when they make a decision that on the external presentation looks like, it, well, it's the external presentation, right? You're leaving Hollywood. But it's the internal presentation, the internal thing that's happening. I was so for it. I was like, Corey, yeah. come back, man. I was like,
1: yeah. For selfish reasons, but also I know for a fact for non-selfish yes. oh, reasons. Oh, yeah. It yeah. wasn't both.
0: Oh, for sure. There was definitely a bonus of like, yes, bro, one of my one of my best <laughs> right. friends. I was like, right. I was like, I'm gonna be bugging you all the time. You're gonna yeah, see love me. That. You're gonna see me at least once a week. Right. But yes, but on top of that, right, it's it's the thing of get back, yeah, get back to the family connection, put these other things ahead. Or you're not just like chasing, chasing, chasing. Right. Just get back to the simple pleasures because those things are, uh, they're, they are their own nourishment, right? Like the mm-hmm. lifestyle medicine, right? Right. That's, that's it right there. It's just how am I living day to day where I'm getting little bumps of joy from the things I'm doing. Right. Yeah. It's so helpful, man, because people. It's like
1: finding joy in the monotony. Monotony yeah. of it all and, and finding in well, the yeah. schedule. And...
0: and people, I mean, I know a lot of people, man, they hate what they do. Right. They make a lot of money.
1: I just can't. But they hate no, it. I'm not built that way, man. I
0: know, and it's and a lot of people do it, and they're able to process it well. And and I, you know, I, I, it's not a judgment. It's just some, like you said. I'm I, God, man. I've I can't even I can't even bring myself one step towards that. It's very difficult for me. Yeah, it's very difficult. And sometimes people like have being
1: to, in a, a cubicle. Yeah, and people have people have to do it
0: out of necessity, right? Right. Like, they
1: I, have kids, I, and have, yeah, yeah. So it's it. like
0: the life happens. You know, there's no judgment around
1: that. It's just the problem with that is that you can if you start resenting. Oh, your yeah. family because of it because you had to give up what you had to do right. in order to support them and that's real too yeah it's that, real. that's
0: its own navigation you know well bro is there anything else that we should touch on
1: i don't know I, i'd love to come back other times you, you'll be back yeah
0: <laughs> you'll yeah. be back for sure this won't be the last time so Yeah, Yeah, man. Thank you for for doing this. Um, I'm stoked to have you back in Sacramento for my own laughs, for one. You know.
1: Yeah, no. I'm stoked to be back, too.
0: If people want to find you, social media or whatever. I have a website. It's
1: uh, Corey, com. It's C-O-R-Y, not (laughs) C-O-R-E-Y. And then, yeah, just type in my name. I'm on social media. I'm going to be... trying to put up a new new calendar on my website when once i get a few shows booked but for right now man i'm just i'm just gonna you know be be in the sack scene the sack comedy scene and 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 making people laugh and you know go from there
0: yeah doing your goodness yeah yeah all right man well thank you for being here thanks brother yep cheers